it's great to see you all. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share this. The, what we have to share today is some things that some things you guys might have heard and some things that you may have never heard. Um, but this is stuff that's been out of a lot of praying and a lot of fasting and a lot of talking and a lot of grappling. And, and we believe God's giving us something here as kind of like a blueprint for what God's going to do going forward. Um, this is kind of a, a call to, hey, let's do this tomorrow, this morning at Bless the City. Let's, let's do this. Let's really, truly be a church overflowing with God's presence where we see the lost saved, culture transformed, and God exalted. And how many of you know the church is a lot more than just a guy getting up on a Sunday and preaching and someone strumming a guitar um, and everybody giving cash in the bucket in the back? The goal of the church is that God would truly be exalted inside, outside, all around, that, that all in, in our whole community of Whatcom County, that there would be something tangibly different that would shift the entire area. Because that's what happens when God shows up. He changes everything. He moves everything around. And that's what I want to invite us all into this morning. Um, so if you got a Bible, go to John chapter 4. And uh, Nick and Julianne, Nick kind of shared with that. Can we get it for Nick and Julianne? Aren't they awesome? Super cool. Love you guys. Anyway, love you. John chapter four. Uh, this is the story. This is a famous story. If you've ever heard of, if you ever heard of the show The Chosen, anybody watch that show? The Chosen. So this is one of the most famous scenes in there. Just type in "woman at the well," the Chosen, and you'll see a really awesome video of this story. Um, but I'm going to read it to you. We're all going to pretend that we're there, okay? Anybody got a good imagination? Yeah? Uh, verse, um, starting, I think, at verse 4. four sorry, I'm just going to quote this one verse first before we go any farther. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Imagine that. Think about it. Will never be thirsty in him. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The title of this message this morning is, You Were Made to Be a Spring. You were made to be a spring of living water. You, right there, you were made to be a spring. God, I just pray uh, this morning... Um, the lady in this story is us. That's me. That's who we are. We are the woman at the well. And we are coming this morning and we're saying, God, give us this water. And we pray that this water wouldn't just be for us, but for everyone around us. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. John 4, starting at verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, 
you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Ding, ding, ding. He gave us the well and drink, drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everybody who drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. Next slide. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I don't have to come be thirsty or have to come back here to draw more water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you now are with is not your husband. What you're saying is true. Okay, imagine that's you. This lady goes out at noon to get water. Why? Because this is the time that she's not going to get harassed by other people. If you heard this story before, this woman has been in a bunch of different relationships. She's been in a bunch of different places. The best place for the best time for her to go is to go by herself. Her safest space is the safe, the space of isolation. And this woman comes to the well at noon, and there's Jesus. And I love what it says actually in verse four. It says that Jesus came and sat down by the well, and he was tired and he was thirsty. This is what struck me about that verse. Jesus gets our weakness. When God came to earth as a man, he came and he was limited. He came weak and tired. He could only be in one place at a time. And there he is, sweat coming down his face, sitting at a well, thirsty. He understands every temptation you've walked through, every struggle you've walked through, all the spaces where you're like, God, I don't have enough. He's like, yeah, I understand. I got thirsty too. I got tempted too. I had a hard time too. I also had a baby at one in the morning waking up and teething and bumping her face. Actually, last week, our little one, um, I was opening the bathroom door. She was closing it. And as I opened it, she smashed her head against the door and blood was gushing down her right eyebrow. Consequently, that night, we didn't get very much sleep. And I think parenting has taught me weakness big time. Dude, I don't have the answers. I'm not good enough, smart enough, holy enough, right enough. I am not enough. Anybody with me? I'm just not enough. I want to be, right? Oh, man, I want to be. I want to do it right. I want to be good enough. I want to be smart enough. I want to have this epic life that I do everything perfect, Instagram style. But I'm not. There's weakness on me. There's weakness on you. Our bodies are weak. Our minds are weak. Our character is weak. We are weak. And if we look like this woman, we go back in our history and we go, I messed up there, I messed up there, I messed up there, I messed up there three seconds ago. And Jesus understands my weakness. He understands your weakness. 
Can you give me a drink of water? I'm thirsty. Second thing I noticed about this is Jesus came to where she was. She was thirsty. You have bills to pay. You have relationship struggles. You have things that you're not perfect at yet. You have places where you're like, man, I am a piece of work. And Jesus comes to that space right there. And he brings up this question, I am thirsty. But really, he's in the end saying, hey, are you thirsty? Are you not satisfied? Are you in a space where things aren't working? Are you struggling in all this space? How about you? And then Jesus says this, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you would recognize, if I would recognize that Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in your situation, where you are in your places of not being satisfied, feeling weak, being not enough, that he wants to give you living, vibrant satisfaction in your heart there. He wants to, and all we have to do is ask. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get that living water? Hey, I've tried the self-help program I've done the workout routine. I've tried to listen to the YouTube gurus. I've done it all. It's not working. How are you going to get this special water you're talking about? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? And Jesus is saying, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I have for you. You have no idea that with me is full satisfaction, full freedom, full deliverance. That's who I am. You just can't see me yet. And God does this with you and I. He interrupts our life. He comes into spaces and he starts having a conversation with us. And while we're having this conversation with God, we don't even recognize that we're having a conversation with God. He's speaking to our heart. Our, our weaknesses, anyone ever been here? Your weaknesses are on full display. You feel all of your frailty and all of the spaces where you're not enough. She's coming to the well at noon by herself. Why? Because she doesn't want the ridicule of other people. And she's coming to this well. And he says, I would satisfy your heart if you would just ask me. So she says, well, first of all, she's like, well, this sounds impossible. And then he basically says to her, no, it is possible. And she says, well, give me this water because I'm really tired of coming back here all the time. Anybody? I'm really tired of this. I'm really tired of working really hard and not being satisfied. I'm really tired. Anybody tired? I'm trudging this big gallon of water all the time and I'm just simply tired. I'm trying to do the right thing. I, I know I kept blowing it, but I'm, I'm tired. I, can you just tell me how to do this? I, I, I want that living water. And Jesus gets to the heart of the issue and it's a little too close to home. 
Jesus says, I, I can give you that living water. Hey, why don't you go call your husband and come back here and we'll talk about it. And she says an honest statement, but she doesn't say any, everything. Ever been there? Oh, I don't have a, a husband. That's true. And she says, he says, yeah, that's true. You don't have a husband. You've actually had five and the guy you're with now isn't your husband. This is what I love about what Jesus did in that moment. One, he didn't shame her. He's not parading it, all of her failures on display and saying, you're so horrible. What he is doing it though, is he's also not letting her hide. God will never shame you, but he'll never let you hide. He'll always bring it up. He'll say, hey, I love you. This is, we need to deal with this. Why don't you come a little closer? Because you realize the thing that was actually stopping her from the living water was that she was trying to get real satisfaction in these guys. She kept going to these other wells. There's this verse in Jeremiah that says, my people have forsaken me. For they're digging up wells that there's no water in. Folks, this is our culture. I'm going to get satisfaction at the bottom of this. I know it. Money is going to be the answer. Relationships is going to be the answer. Success is going to be the answer. This substance is going to be the answer. Um, trying to be happy is going to be my answer. And I'm going to keep digging these wells. There's got to be water down here. There's got to be, be something at the bottom because I keep saying, hearing everybody say they're getting satisfaction here. So I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep digging. Come on, there's got to be something. And there we are getting dusty and tired and frustrated. And where's the water? Where's the satisfaction? So Jesus says, there's a river and where... where Come to me, everybody who's tired and weary. I will give you rest. Go get your husband. Let's talk about it. Oh, I, I don't have a husband. I think I'm going to hide. I don't really want this guy to see everything I'm seeing. And Jesus looks right through her and sees her and says, you're right in saying I don't, you don't have a husband for you've had five. And the one you're with is not your husband. What you're saying is true. Did you know God sees you? Everything. Everything. And he wants to have a conversation with you and with me about every space that's out of joint, everything that's out of whack, not because he's trying to shame you, but because those things are hindering you from receiving the living water. You can't have God and go to another well. You can't have refreshment and try to find it in something else. You have to let go of one to receive the other. So God is having a conversation with her and saying, do you really want satisfaction? I heard a guy say this a while ago. He was, he'll talk to people. He's a counselor and he'll talk to people about their life. And he says, he finds that a lot of people, we, tr we try to do the exact same thing and get different results. Right? I'm... I am going, if I'm, I'm going to do the exact same thing, but I'm just going to be really sincere in what I'm doing. I'm going to keep walking in this unhealthy relationship, but, but I'm just going to like worship God a little louder. I'm, I'm going to, 
I'm going to, maybe I'll give God my cash, but I'm going to keep doing this. It doesn't work that way. I have to turn my affection, stop digging a well, hoping for satisfaction here and say, God, I'm actually going to say, I'm actually going to put my heart into the space of you are my satisfaction. The, the whole passage shifts here. And at first I thought that this woman was going into a deflection because she says this. He says to her, you have no husband. The guy you're with is actually not even your husband. You've had five husbands. And the next thing she says is, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Well, yeah, okay, duh. And then she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place that people ought to worship. And I thought, oh, she's deflecting. She's changing the topic. She doesn't want to talk about it. But then I realized, no, she's not. You know what she's saying? how do I do this God thing? I've been in these five different relationships. The guy I'm with is not the right guy. And the Jewish people say the only way to be right with God is to go to the temple. The, the people around me say, no, you got to go up to this mountain. There's an altar there. What do I have to do to get the water? I'm trying really hard and I'm tired. I'll do the stuff you want me to jump up and down. You want me to pray the rosary. You want me to give money, run around, whatever. I'll do it. What do I have to do? Then Jesus goes on. He says, you know, us Jews, we know the Bible. In fact, the, the Jewish people, the boys, and they would be told to memorize the first five books of the Bible. And the ones that were really studious would memorize the whole Old Testament. They knew the scriptures. And Jesus says that the only way to worship God, because worship, guys, is the access point to water. Worship is the access point to water. The only way to worship God is in spirit and in truth. What's truth? Right here. The only way to worship God is to know what he is saying. And, and, and with that, I, I've learned one thing is that if you ever read something in the Bible and don't understand it, try keep reading it and you'll find that the Bible will actually interpret the Bible. Here's some awesome speaker on YouTube say some really cool thing. Go back to the Bible and go, well, does it say that? Is that true? There's a lot of people that will say things with emotion and strength, but this is truth. This is real. If you can't back it up here, toss it. If you're not sure what to do with an experience or a memory or a thought, put it on the shelf, come back and say, God, I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to find out what you're saying to me in this. God's word is truth. We live in an age where we don't really believe in truth anymore. We say, you have your truth, I have my truth. And honestly, what we really believe is, if it feels really, I feel it really strongly, it must be true. No, no, that just means you're feeling something really strongly. Truth is still truth. Salvation comes, he said, from the Jews. Why? Because they're holding the truth. But truth isn't enough. There has to also be spirit. The true worshipers will worship in truth and in spirit. What does it mean to worship in spirit? 
And for that, come back next week. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. God is spirit, says in verse 24, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I like what the, she said in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to make sense of all these things. To worship God in spirit is to connect in many ways relationally with who God is. In The Chosen, they say it like this. They say, to worship God with mind and heart. I love God by knowing his word and saying, oh, God, what are you saying? Is that true? God, I know I have a lot of wrong thinking in here. Help. Help me to understand this so that I can have good thinking before you. But good thinking isn't enough. My heart has to be engaged because this is a relationship. If you can't perceive someone, you really have a struggle in having a relationship with them. If my wife is just an idea, I don't have much of a marriage, do I? Your relationship with God must be one that you perceive that he's there. And we perceive God in spirit and in truth. That looks like reading your Bible and the words jump off the page and you're like, that's for me. That looks like lifting your hands in worship and sensing there's something more in the room. That looks like praying in tongues. If you don't know what that is, we'll talk about it next week. And, and sensing God praying through you. That, that looks like moments where you're with other believers and you're serving the poor and you feel this holy sense of God like, man, I'm doing something God really loves. In spirit, we are moving with God. You cannot divorce the two. The Pharisees had the Bible memorized and they missed Jesus. Other people ignore the truth, run for the spirit, and we just kind of fly like a kite over here. And we're like, where'd they go? I don't know. You cannot divorce the fact that you need spirit and you need truth. You have to have your heart engaged. You have to have your mind engaged. How do I worship is what she said. And Jesus said, in spirit and in truth. Ron, can you turn the air conditioning on? It's getting a little toasty. And there was this wrestle that she brought in because she didn't know how to get to God. And God's answer was worship in spirit and in truth. All your mind, all your heart, God, I'm coming. And then she said, I know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to make sense of all this. He's going to talk about all this. And Jesus says this to her, I who speak to you am he. The Messiah is here right now. Can I tell you that the Spirit of God is here right now? And it says in the book of John that when God sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would teach you about all things. In other words, you have a question, a concern, something you don't know what to do. Write it down and say, God, here's my question. Then open your Bible and say, God, talk to me. Guess what? He will. He wants to talk to you. He wants to work in you. I have found, though, that sometimes I ask God a question and he answers something totally different. 
I remember one time I was down in Nicaragua and there was this kids ministry thing we were a part of and there was this lady and everyone's like, oh, if you talk to this lady, God will speak to her, you, speak to you through her. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. So we go into her house and she gives us Cokes and we're playing, she's singing songs, we're doing all these kids worship songs. And I really wanted to know the direction of what God had for me in my life. I'm like, God, do you want me to move to Africa? Do you want me going over here? What do you have for my life? And all along, we're, we're praying and stuff. This lady comes over to me, prays for me, and says, you know, I feel like God is telling me this about you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God wants you to know he wants you to be humble. I'm like, for crying out loud, God. You did not answer my question. And God's like, yeah, I did. Often it's the little things, the little movements of the heart that answer the big questions about where you're going, what you're doing. Because without humility, there's no way God could ever take me where he wants me to take me. And because I get walk, we walk in pride, we go down. Write your question down. God will tell you something that's more perfect than you ever realize. And often he's saying, read my word, go deep in it. There's something more for you there. The reveal. When the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you, you're never the same. I mean, for crying out loud, even all of history is marked with B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after death. The whole world, the whole history of the world is oriented between before Jesus came and after he died, everything changed. And that's what happens in every person's life. You can put a mark on it and say, God met me here. This lady had a mark. I met the Messiah here. I was once this way. This is what happened when I met him. And now everything changed. That's your story if you've met him. And that's what will impact everyone around you. So the woman, verse 28 says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They went out of the town and they came to him. Okay, I just got to say this. That is nuts that she went back to the town. Here's a woman who went to the water by herself. Why? Because she was shunned by culture. She meets the Messiah. She meets Jesus. She runs back to the very people that have rejected her, the very people that she's wronged. How many women in that town had a, had a, a story to tell about her, how she probably flirted with their husband or whatever? And she's going to these women. She's going to these men and saying, come and see. What has to happen in a woman's heart? What kind of healing has to happen in her heart? What kind of space of receiving the love of God has to happen in her heart for her to go back to those that rejected her and say, come and see? Tells me that the offense dropped. Tells me that God brought healing in her heart. And it also tells me she didn't care what they thought anymore. She cared about what he thought. God wants to free us from the opinion of people that we'd only care about his opinion. The woman at the well ran to those who had wronged her, to those that had rejected her. She was transparent, she was honest, and she forgave. Go to verse 13 again. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water that will well up to eternal life. I, I have in my Bible, I, I underlined the words will become. Because frankly, guys, that one moment where she met Jesus wasn't the ending point or the pinnacle, but it was the starting point of God wanting to do something in and through her. That becoming a spring of living water is the basis of a daily pursuit of following after him. You prayed a prayer of dedication to Jesus. Awesome. What's next? You said, God, here's my life. He's like, okay, let's go. You're, you're in a place of, of saying, I believe in God. Awesome. How are you following him? As we follow him, we become, not as we intellectually think, but as we follow him. I think about the fact that God picked a woman who had been divorced five times, was living with another guy to be her, his first messenger of the gospel. He didn't pick somebody influential, well-connected, good character, got it all together. No, he picked somebody that we wouldn't pick. And he's like, perfect. Can you put up our mission statement? Three years ago, God woke me up at three in the morning with three pictures and three verses in my heart. And this statement came out of that, that we would be a church overflowing with his presence where we see the lost saved, culture transformed, and God exalted. God said to me that day, he gave me that verse from John, John 4, 14. And he said this to my heart. He said, Jeremy, make it all about my presence. You know what that means? Make it all about being a place that people can perceive that God is there. That they walk in and go, there's something different. And that isn't come from a great sermon or just a scripture, but that comes from a space of a people who have spent time with him all week long. That when you go into your workplace, that when you sit down at home, someone looks at you and goes, why are you so peaceful? When, when we operate and we worship together and everyone's in that space of just worshiping God, they're like, man, what's with these people? How is there something? What's that extra more in that space? It's him. It's that living water. And thirsty hearts can come in this space and go, I got a drink. <laughs> My heart got touched. Where we see the lost saved, culture transformed, and God exalted. God said to me, make it all about my presence, a fountain. Second thing I got was from Zephaniah 9, 11, And it was a picture of an arrow. And God showed me, he was like, Jeremy, it's each one of us is an arrow. And that woman, you guys, she was a broken arrow. Feathers ripped off, blunt end. It says in Zephaniah 9, it says, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. God's plan always is that he would take those from hurting places to be the ones to bring healing. That's what you and I are called to. We're wounded healers. She was the one to first reveal who Jesus was. And I found this. I'm healed as I bring God's healing to others. 
There's a lady named Jackie Pollinger. Anyone ever heard of her before? Jackie Pollinger? Jason and her are good friends. 23-year-old gal. Felt like God told her to go to Hong Kong. She goes to Hong Kong. And she's supposed to be a missionary. She goes to this place called the Walled City. It's this place with no law, no order. She, you can only get in there as there are certain shops that actually have secret entrances in. And you go in and there's thousands and thousands of people that live there in drug dens, brothels, sick, all sorts of stuff. And God said, go in there. She goes in there. And the, one of the first things that happens, she sees sewage along this side of the road. She sees little girls being trafficked in prostitution on this side. There's all sorts of guys making opium over there. She walks in. A guy hooked on heroin walks up to her, and she starts praying for this guy. She's praying in tongues over the guy, puts hands on him. The guy is immediately set free. He freaks out, goes and gets his buddy. Gets his buddy and says to the lady, do it again. And she's like, I don't know how to. I can't. He's like, no, 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 do it again. So she prays for him. That guy's delivered. Today, that was in the 70s, what they started doing is they actually, the whole bunch of people started getting together and they would find someone addicted to heroin or meth or whatever and they'll take him into a home and they'll give him pajamas and clean clothes. They'll give him a room and they say this, we're just going to pray for you. And they'll put people in four-hour shifts around the clock praying for this person. They're getting that guy cereal at 3 in the morning and candy at 5. And they're saying, don't leave. We're going to help detox you. We're going to walk with you. And then out of this space, they're going to have someone in another room praying, God, set them free. God, deliver them from this. God, would you do something that we can't do? And Jackie said this, we came with a conviction. We're going to see what God will do first, and then we'll do what we do. But if God doesn't do it, we got nothing. I went to bed at 1 a.m. last night. My wife leans over to me because I got to be home late. Retired. We've got parents of a two-month-old or two-year-old. And I said this to my wife, and it sounds kind of funny. She's like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm really tired. I feel really weak. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, and I'm really excited. Like, what? And I was realizing something. I was, I was realizing, it says in the Bible, it says that when you're weak, he's strong. I don't know if we recognize how weak we are. And that it's actually the weak God loves to use to see real healing. God took a woman with five marriages and another one she's broken. And now she's the one bringing healing to her town? What the heck? Because God says this, nobody gets to glory in my presence except for me. I'm going to get the glory here. So I'm going to use wounded healers, those that don't have it all figured out, and I'm going to take them out of these waterless pits, pull them out, clean them up, and send them back. This is what it looks like to be God's church. A bunch of weak people who get tired and tempted frail and broken, struggling in all sorts of ways, and we simply come, God, I don't got it all together, but I'm willing. And we come and we say, I need that living water, and that let it be a spring that comes out of me and flows and touches everybody around me. The last picture that God gave me that day was from 2 Corinthians 5, and it's this whole thing about being a minister of reconciliation. And that woman 
at the well had a lot of broken relationships in her life. So many broken relationships, yet Jesus picks her to be the first messenger. She's not well-connected. She's not influential. And I don't think they liked her in that town. But he sent her to be the repairer of what was broken and the building of new things. You don't need to have any of the answers. What you need to do is say, I know the one who does. Let's go. Hey, you, the guy that has the heroin addiction, I just got set free five minutes ago. Hey, buddy, come with me. God wants to set you free. Let's go. That is it. We just know the one who has the living water. And that's what we want to do here. Do you feel weak? Do you feel like you're not holy enough, perfect enough, no things enough? Awesome. You're hired. Do you see issues around you in our city and in your family, in marriages? Do you ever look at a relationship you have and be like, I have no idea how to fix that? Awesome. Perfect. That is exactly God's intent. Why? Because you were never meant to fix that. He was. And by faith, we come to God in our weakness and say, God, would your living water, your living spirit fill me, overflow out of me, and may I go to others and say, I know the one who has the answer. Come on. And then by faith, we're saying, God's going to meet them because he met me. So in the next while, um, I, I wanted to showcase something real quick. That Can you put up that slide that says fountain? <laughs> A little dark, but when God said that word fountain, it kind of broke down to three things. And this is out of conversations that I've had a lot of you and praying and stuff. And it came down to three things that I felt like God was saying. And that was one, a daily pursuit after God where we're like, man, God, I'm coming after you every day. Another one, alignment, the place where we're agreeing together and joining with each other. That's going to be a place that God's presence flows where we're agreeing, coming after God. And lastly, celebration. I found that thankfulness and joy are the only ways that I'm going to keep moving forward in God. I need joy. Go to the next slide. This one, the place of the arrow that came down to three things. One, health. We need to be healthy in how we operate, and God wants to bring that to us. Two, community. You're not meant to do this alone. And three, empowerment. We're meant to empower each other for what God has for us. What's God's dream for your life? I'm supposed to partner with God in it. And the next one, the bridge. Next slide is reconciliation, trust, and generosity. We're called to help fix what's broken. Own our stuff. Two, to step into trust that I'm going to be honest and forgive you. And lastly, I'm going to live a generous life of pouring out to others. I feel like God is giving us a blueprint for how to step forward. You know, you don't step into health by saying no to things. You step into health by saying yes to the right things. Did you know that? It's not about just, I'm not going to do this. It's about stepping in and saying, God, I'm stepping after you. So in the seat pocket in front of you, there's a little card that says, on mission. 
And uh, why don't you pull it out if you got it. And I just, I wanted to just give this invitation because I, I believe that God wants to make us more than just, I, I believe God wants us to be on mission together in this. That we really would be a people overflowing with his presence. And, and here's what on mission means. It means to be here, own the vision, grow in the values, to give financially to support Bless the City, not because Jeremy needs a Tesla, but because we have a vision that God wants to do here. And lastly, to come and serve, be here on a Sunday, serve, get to know each other, give, take your gifts and say, God, here you go. If we're going to be a people overflowing with this spring of living water, it's got to be more than the guy talking on the stage. And I, I want to say this, so many of you are already serving and doing stuff already, but why I'm saying this is I want to make an invitation to, in 2022, let's go. Easter Sunday is one of the biggest Sundays that anybody ever goes to church. Could it be that could be a life-changing moment for somebody in your family that they'd walk into this space and go, there's something different here. And it's going to all start with you and I in our daily pursuit of God saying, God, I'm coming after that living water again. And they're going to step in and God's going to free them. And then God's going to turn them around and send them to go be that evangelist like that, that woman at the well. Everybody got that little paper? Wave it at me like you're at a black church. If that's something that you would like to sign up for today, I'm asking that you would write your name on it and say, yep, I'm all in to being on the mission here at Blessed City. If you need more time to think about it, awesome. If you want to grab coffee with me, I'll buy you a Danish and a coffee. We can talk about it. But folks, let's do more than gather each week. Let's step in and see that the presence of God, the spirit of the Lord would flow in us. It would become a spring that would overflow into our community. Amen? Amen. Amen. Grab that. Think about it. Put it in the box if you're thinking about it. Why don't you all stand on up? We'll do our benediction here. And why don't we just do this? Actually, every eye closed. I just want to, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I am not satisfied <laughs> on any level. I got two things for you. We're going to pray for you and I'm going to ask God's refreshing touch on you. But his greatest refreshment is going to come when you say, Monday morning, God, here I am. You grab your Bible, you step into a place of worship and say, God, I want to meet with you today. That daily pursuit is going to be the place of your satisfaction in God. So if everyone could just put your hands out in front of you like this. This is just kind of receiving mode. God, I pray for every hungry heart in this room, every person that's not satisfied, every person struggling, every person going, oh man, where is God? God, I thank you that you're a God that loves to give us living water. I thank you, God, that you don't let me hide, but you see me as exactly as I am, and you say, come, let's have a conversation. I want to get rid of all the roadblocks. If you're in a space this morning and you'd be like, man, I have <laughs> been drinking from wells that are not God, but other wells, can you just lift a hand? Yeah. Okay, God, you see our hands. You see our thoughts. And God, these dry wells, there's no water there. Help us right now. We turn from these dry wells and we turn to you, the source of living water. God, I pray refreshment over every heart. And everything that looks like water, it's a mirage. Help us to see that, God. 
God, I pray for anyone in this room tempted sexually right now. Anybody in this room say, man, that relationship is going to be the thing that satisfies me. God, I come against that in the name of Jesus. I ask right now that you would break every tie in this room that is not a holy tie, that it's actually something, a lie from the devil saying you're going to be satisfied here. God, we give it to you. Can we just say this all together? Like, God, I give you my relationships. Ready? One, two, three. God, I give you my relationships. No person will satisfy your heart. Only God will. Every tie that's not holy, God, I pray broken right now. God, we give you all our relationships. God, do what you want in it. God, I also pray in this space of entertainment, God, all the places that we try to comfort ourselves. God, we give it to you. We say, God, be my comfort, be my satisfaction. And we pray, Jesus, be the Lord of our lives in every space. Change whatever you want to change. I mean it, God. And lastly, God, I pray this simple thing over each heart. God, I pray that you would put in each of us today a hunger for your Bible, for your word. That we wouldn't be content with YouTube or what someone else says, but we would read your word, know it, and that you would have conversation with us. Man, God, we need you. I pray that this would be a church filled with people, filled with spirit and truth. Fiery passion after God and a knowledge of what is true. If that's your heart, say amen. 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 Amen.